up until now in this deep dive into vampires, we've mainly been focusing on the different kinds of vampires. We've sort of been comparing and contrasting different types of vampires that inspired and influenced from different sources or different directors, uh, different eras in filmmaking. And I just wanted to sort of move away from that for this episode and talk more about not so much the, the vampire, but the environment in which the vampire exists. And in order to do that, we need to go back to the mid to late 60s and talk about a film that was made by Roman Polanski that stars Sharon Tate. I think it's the film where they actually met and then wound up getting married. Yeah. And, um, and it's, a, it's a really good film. It's called The Fearless Vampire Killers. And it's, um, if, if I just do a quick gloss over what kinds of vampires are in it and some of the rules... It's not it's not so interesting. I mean, the main vampire who's, you know, the count is certainly of the romantic type. He's sort of I would put him in the Bella Lugosi category. Uh, most of the rules are pretty orthodox. But then there's another rule that's similar to Matheson in Matheson's story, where when Matheson talks about religious symbols, there's a really funny scene in this movie where a villager who's been uh, turned into a vampire, is confronted by the Van Helsing character, and the Van Helsing character holds up a cross, and the, the villager just says, oy vey, and he throws <laughs> his hands up and he laughs. And so what's interesting about this movie is, like I said, it takes place in the 1700s, sort of in the late 1700s during the Romantic era, and they're in some remote, I don't even think they say what town it is. They might, and I, I can't remember. But they're in this remote uh, place in Russia, far north. Like I said, it's probably just a make-believe sort of town. But it's a feudal system. It's sort of, even though this is, we're not so much in the Middle Ages anymore, you can tell that this, uh, this village, or we could even say this, this mini kingdom, is really still stuck in the past, even for the 1700s. And they have this castle, and the castle sort of rules over the peasants. Yeah, which is a vampire theme. Yeah. Like in Dracula, that's part of the threat is that he's going to take his, like, old, like, crappy system and apply it, like, to England. Right, or or he's moving to England because he's running out of victims. Yeah. You know, he's sort of exhausted his blood supply. But, yeah, that's, like, that's, like, the... Like, the basic reason, but I always, like, in symbolism, I took that to mean that, like, that's, like, the, the existential threat is that, oh, he's gonna, like, he comes from this backwards, like, place, and he's gonna make our place, like, backwards or whatever. It's, like, a very xenophobic, like, message, you know? Yeah, but the irony in, <laughs> in the book, in Stoker's book, the irony is that uh, the industrialization of London is what gets the better of Dracula. Dracula yeah. is not able to con to, to bring London back to an older time. Dracula can't keep up with, you know, yeah, with well, the technology well, and, and everything that's going. Even the Mina character is, is in my opinion, she's the hero of the book because she, I think I said this before, she represents the new woman movement. Yeah, and like so, the Enlightenment. But, yeah, he didn't succeed. I'm just saying, like, that's, like, their worry. Right, you know? right. Yeah, yeah, metaphorically, yeah, I could see that. So in this movie... Um, the, there's a Van Helsing character and his young assistant who's played by Roman Polanski, who's also, also directs the film. And they come to this village 
And this village is just being completely been ravaged by the vampires because the Lord or the Count, whoever is the master of that castle, is now that he's a vampire, he's just running amok in all of the surrounding villages and he's just feeding on all of the young women. And once he's exhausted that, then he goes to the young men. Once he's exhausted that, then he's going to the to the moms. And then finally he's now, when, when the Van Helsing character gets there, he's down to preying on the uh, on, on the men, you know, like the older men. <laughs> and everyone in his castle has been turned into a vampire. His son, who's a prince, who is gay, which for that time is, is you know, that's way ahead of its time to have a, a gay character. And, and not just, uh, you know, referencing or reading between the lines. Uh, Polanski just goes all out. And it's, and, you know, this, this uh, young prince really has the hots for... Polanski's character later on in the film. But they get to the village and Sharon Tate is taken by Dracula. And before she's taken, Polanski's character sees her, instantly falls in love with her. And the Van Helsing character, he says, you know, we got to rid this area of vampires because, you know, this is, it's sort of, I don't know if it's said in the movie, but it's alluded to that this is sort of like the last vampire nest mm. in the planet. <laughs> so this Van Helsing character is saying, if we can wipe them out here, then vampires on this planet will be extinct. They will have gone extinct. And the whole time you're watching the film, you're thinking that, well, yeah, I mean, there's vampires in this village, but there's vampires in other parts of the world, right? There's vampires all over the world. And so he, but he's, and like I said, I don't think it's said explicitly, but he's sort of convinced that if he can just get rid of this vampire nest, that he's going to be doing a huge favor for the world. He'll, he'll be like this, this hero, you know, like a very famous man. He rid the planet of, of vampires. And so what's, what's great about the film is really just how it ends. Um, <laughs> well, because like the whole movie, they're just like incompetent, you know. Yeah, it's also sort of a, a parody. So uh, in, in a previous episode, Allison mentioned that by the mid 80s, early 90s, the classic vampire was really becoming, you know, it, it was those monsters are really for kids. You know, and some of the films that came out in the 80s, Monster Squad and, and then the little vampire, you know, it's just sort of, oh, you know, vampires aren't really, you know, they're not scary anymore. Well, in 67, I would say that they were probably more scary than they were in the 80s. But Polanski, being somewhat ahead of his time, uh, decided that, you know, he wanted to sort of spoof on vampires. So the film, it's a really interesting film because it's it is still kind of a horror film. There, there are scenes in it. They're kind of creepy. Yeah, it's like a dark comedy, technically. Yeah. But there's a lot of slapstick in it. Yeah. There, you know, there's just a lot of old sort of vaudeville style slapstick, a lot of falling down and bonk, hit over the head. And yeah, and just like of, ridiculous stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and and so they're, they wind up going to the castle and they're, you know, now Polanski's character wants to, he just wants to save the Sharon Tate girl. And so they go to the castle with the, with the goal of trying to rescue her. And now they're just walking amongst all these vampires. You know, like the whole castle like, is just <laughs> filled with all of these aristocratic vampires. Yeah, and I didn't realize like how many there were because I didn't remember the movie that well. But then when I saw those scenes, it was like, yeah, there's like a ton of vampires. It's like a whole, yeah, a whole court. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a colony, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And they're not um like if it takes place in the 1700s, they're not old school for their time. They're wearing like 1700s clothes. 
Right, because that they're just dressing the way people would dress. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, it's, it, it could be maybe mid-1700s. I'm not really sure. I mean, you know, it's it, I would say it's more 1780s, you know, just based on the women's hairdos and stuff like that. There's a really famous scene where uh, Polanski walks into this ballroom and all the vampires are dancing. And so he, he goes in there and he tries to pretend like he's a vampire. And that's when uh, the young prince... Uh, takes a, a liking to him and uh, starts, you know, hitting on him and stuff like that. It's actually really funny. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I just remember like I hardly remember any of it from when I was a kid. I just remember like the part where he walks into the bathroom at night and the vampire prince is like standing by the tub, like doing the water like pump thing right. and he's just standing there like with no pants on just right. like right. standing there proudly and then it's just like awkward you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is really good I mean like I said it's really ahead of its time but the uh the final scene is really what I wanted to the reason why I'm talking about this movie because like I said otherwise uh in this analysis of vampires none of the vampires really stand out I mean they do have fangs you know so we, we've talked a lot about fangs uh, the, the, you know, by now because of the Hammer films, you know, there, there there are no fighting vampires. As far as I can remember, there there's no scene where there's a where the main vampire has the strength of ten men. The vampires do have a um, a, a protector, sort of like a, a, a small hunchback character who protects their coffins in the day, and he, and he's. He's pretty badass. I mean, he's, Is he? he's, he's kind of hard to get around, you know, and there's some funny scenes with him. Uh, but like I said, the main point of this film is the ending and how it differs, in my opinion, why it's a really important movie. To, if you're going to talk about vampires, should always be included, is that at the end of the film, they save Sharon Tate and they're, they're escaping in a sleigh and the Van Helsing character is, is driving and, and behind him are... Polanski and Sharon Tate and you know Polanski's character is just happy that you know he saved her and then of course she opens her mouth and she has fangs and she winds up biting him and then the, there's a narrator uh, throughout the film the narrator sort of his voice comes in he's like, omniscient you know and um and he says you know that was the night that you know he, <laughs> I'm just paraphrasing but he says you know despite Van Helsing's efforts to rid the planet of vampires he says he actually did did the opposite and and what, he spread vampires he spread, throughout the land. <laughs> vampirism throughout the world. In other words, we're led to think that he was just trying to wipe them out in that little localized area. But really at the end, what you find out with it, with, through the narrator is that, no, that was literally the only place where vampires had existed. And if they had just left them alone, they just would have only existed in that one little you know realm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, they were so incompetent that they had like the worst possible outcome. Right. So he, the Van Helsing character, winds up unleashing upon the world the curse of the vampire. <laughs> so I just always thought that that was just such a brilliant ending because the power of the movie isn't so much in how cool any of the vampires are. It's just in the, uh, it's more about making a, a historical statement in, in a fictional way, you know, a counterfactual kind of thing. So it's, it's, it reminds me of I Am Legend in the sense that it's, it's a movie about how the plague of vampires started. You could even say it's a prequel to how vampires emerged. <laughs> and I just think that's brilliant. It's, it's a movie about the environment and uh, yeah, how, how being through their efforts and the fact that they were incompetent, that they actually did the opposite of what they were trying to do. Another movie that's similar to Fearless Vampire Killers but came out in the 90s 
is a film made by Robert Rodriguez and also sort of collaborating with Quentin Tarantino uh, from Dust Till Dawn. There's a statement made at the end of the film that makes you consider or think about the timeline of the vampires, where Fearless Vampires is saying, oh, going forward now, the world is going to have to deal with vampires. <laughs> from Dust Till Dawn does a slightly different thing. Yeah, you were just saying how they just make you think about how long vampires have been in that area. Right, yeah. I don't know how, how many other movies do this, like, style, but basically instead of bats and wolves, these vampires are snakes and rats. Yeah, these are vampires in Mexico, and they have different animals that they're, like, connected to. And, yeah, the movie starts off as, like, a crime movie or something, and then it becomes... They go into this bar, and then the bar turns out to be a vampire bar. And then I know the ending is like there's like all these bullet holes in the wall and then all the sunlight comes in through all the bullet holes and gets rid of the vampires. Yeah, but well, you're right. You're right in the sense that it, when it starts off, they purposely have this sort of subplot that leads you to believe if you didn't know what you're getting yourself into, you would think that it's going to be a, a sort of crime bank robber slash serial killer movie. You know, Tarantino is in it as an actor and, and it's these two brothers and Tarantino's character is a bit psychotic, you know, <laughs> and his older brother, who's played by George Clooney, is the more, you know, he's he's got a better head on his shoulders and he's more of a just a, a thief. You know, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't like to kill people. He'll kill, he'll kill you if he has to, but he doesn't, he'd rather not. He just wants the money. And, you know, for a while there, the film just has nothing to do with vampires. And they wind up coming across this family uh, with Harvey Keitel as a preacher. I only know him playing like crooks and stuff. Yeah. yeah <laughs> mafia guys and stuff. But, um, but yeah, Harvey Keitel, he's a preacher and he's got two kids and I guess his wife had passed away. That's just sort of a past story. And they're driving in this, you know, what would you call it, like a Winnebago or something? Yeah, like yeah. an RV or something, yeah, isn't like, it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's a big And one. then the two brothers, like, they're like, oh, just take us to Mexico. And then, like, we won't, like, kill you if you, like, do what we say. Right. Or something like that. Like, they want to get past customs, I right, guess, right. in this so, RV. Yeah, exactly. So they hijack them and they, they sort of hold them hostage and... So, uh, but they wind up going to this uh, strip club in Mexico. They get into Mexico, and that's where George Clooney's character is supposed to meet the guys where he's going to get the money. He's, I, I guess he's, he's trying to, you know, launder the money, you know, that they've stolen. And, uh, and then, you know, by doing so, the guys in Mexico will basically give him a place to stay and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's you know, it's, it's just a basic crime movie. But then they're in the strip club, and all of a sudden, turns out that it's a vampire club. <laughs> and there's that famous scene with Selma Hayek where she's dancing with the with the python. Yeah, you know, the, the albino yeah, that python. tells you they they have a connection to snakes already. Doesn't she turn into a part snake or something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. She has a snake yeah, face or right. something. That's what I'm saying. There is a snake element to it, which that's more of a Mexican folklore thing. So the snakes are definitely these are snake-like vampires, and they do have different rules. Like you said, the some of the rules. Well, first of all, we need to talk a little bit about the special effects, but we're not going to do that in this episode. Mm -hmm. Now, Tom Savini's in it. If you don't know who Tom Savini is, he's the guy who did all the zombie stuff with George A. Romero, and he's also acting it. So he's a character in the movie. Yeah, he's and, a really funny character. Yeah, he does all the special <laughs> effects, or most of the special effects, I would say, uh, in this film. And, you know, we will talk more about special effects with vampires that, you know, puppetronics and uh, then eventually the CG stuff. But 
that's for a future episode. But suffice it to say that, you know, most vampire films by the 90s had very elaborate special effects and vampires don't just, you know, have fangs and that's it. They have to be very, you know, dramatic and they have to, you know, do all of these things that, you know, really is like, oh my, like that's that's a crazy looking vampire. You yeah, know, their heads just get really big and they, you know, <laughs> or whatever. The other thing is we've talked about fighting vampires. Uh, some of the, most of the vampires are stripper girls. But of course, once it's revealed that they're vampires, then of course they're strong. So this that fighting vampire element is in there where, you know, uh, a stripper girl can throw, you know, a 200 pound guy, you know, across the room. Uh, and then of course the, as, oh, another rule is that the, they turn into vampires very quickly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you get bit and, you know, the, the, these vampires can drain you of blood in seconds. And then <laughs> in a few seconds later, now you're a vampire. Yeah, it's like on action movie speed. Yeah. So it is, once again, we're talking, we're going to talk a lot more about this shift from horror to action with a lot of vampire films. The main point I wanted to make about this and why I'm including it now is more about the ending. And after, Allison said earlier, after the bullet holes are shot into, you know, they, they've, uh, I think George Clooney shoots all the, these holes, or actually over the course of this big battle they have with the vampires, lots of holes are shot in the, in the bar. And as the sun comes up, the sun is coming through these holes and these vampires don't like sun. So this, these are vampires that can't go out in the sun. This isn't Catherine Deneuve with the umbrella and, <laughs> and the, you know, sunglasses. They actually, not only do they not like sunlight, sunlight makes them explode. Oh, right, so they these explode. Are, yeah. These are exploding vampires. <laughs> they, they literally burst into pieces. Yeah, I um, feel like your options are like dust, explosion, melting. Right. Those are like the yeah. top three. Yeah, yeah. And so after George Clooney, you know, he survives the onslaught. And, you know, after the, you know, the movie's pretty much over. Uh, the camera pans from the front of the of the strip club, which is all you see throughout the whole movie. You see inside of the strip club and you see the front of it. But at the end of the movie, it pans around to the side and then to the back. And what you realize, what they show you, is that the strip club was actually built attached to an ancient Aztec pyramid. <laughs> and you can see that there's, you know, the it's it's sort of like this hill that goes down and the pyramid is really big and you can just see all of these trucks and all of this debris that's piled up over decades and decades, you know, hundreds of years probably that these vampires have been there. And it's just a really great scene because it does, it's sort of, it's sort of the opposite angle from Fearless Vampire Killers where that one is sort of a prequel and showing you or telling you a story about how the vampire uh, infestation was started. This movie is just giving you a shot from the other direction and saying, oh, no, no, these vampires have been here for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And, you know, maybe going all the way back to the Aztecs. Yeah, because so. I know there's some other vampire things where, like, I feel like in the beginning, or like in the, you know, when the movies started and all that stuff, that wasn't really like something they talked about. But now I know sometimes in vampire uh, things, they mention like, Oh, the, these vampires have been around since like Roman times or like Babylonian times or something like that. So, it, yeah, that's more of like a thing where it's like, uh, how long have they like been here? Like so long, you know? Well, yeah, True Blood, they had a character who went back to the time of ancient Sumer, mm. you know? So that's like <laughs> 6,000 years ago, like 4,000 BC. But that taps into the um, vampire mythology that, that is, you know, vampire mythology is ancient. And it goes all the way back to the beginning of, at least in the 
Judeo-Christian tradition, it, it goes all the way back to the very beginning. Anyway, that's our take on these two films and why we think they're different and why we decided to focus on something other than just analyzing the vampires and the traits of the vampires. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Leave us five stars and a review. Thanks.